Welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of this Wednesday edition of News on the Hill. I am News Director Brighton McConnell substituting in for Andrew Stuckey today as he has fallen ill. Best wishes to him to get better, but it's been fun to hop behind the mic and we've had a good show so far. Should be in for a great 5 o'clock hour as well. Andy was able to tape a conversation with Representative Robert Reeves about the latest stories around the North Carolina state government. We're going to hear a little bit more from them. Hear that segment back at 5.30. And before that, Art Chansky's sports notebook of the day we'll play in our sports block looking forward to hearing from art as well but let's jump into our top news of the day we begin with some news out of carborough that we're just learning more about today mcdougall middle school families and staff received an alert from principal chris horn last night about an incident that happened on monday a student reportedly made a comment in front of a staffer that was interpreted as a threat to the school's safety the principal said in the email quote the safety of everyone in our school is and will always be a priority for me and my team, and I want you to know that the administration has taken this matter very seriously, investigated thoroughly, and applied appropriate consequences as outlined in our CHCCS Community Code of Character, Conduct, and Support. Seems like this message was sent out because of some rumors flying around. Horn also said in that alert that there was never any weapons involved in that potential threat or the response to the incident two days ago, but we have learned, according to WRAL, that Carborough Police have taken taken a juvenile petition out in the matter regarding uh, mass violence on an educational property uh, because, of course, the student is a minor. Uh, neither the district nor Carborough Police and law enforcement will be sharing that person's name. Some health news updating from the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. We have the latest respiratory illnesses count and uh, updates from wastewater, hospital admissions, and and such. All of those metrics are down following last week's spike. So that is some good news after we saw quite a bit of spread regarding COVID, RSV, other respiratory illnesses. But it's worth noting that the rates of those things being reported even this week are still much, much higher than the rates that we saw reported last year. Uh, one example is hospital admissions still remain about s- around 730 people this week suffering from those symptoms. Uh, it was several hundred fewer than that at this time in 2023 as well. So these illnesses definitely still floating around out there. And uh, the good news is that they are dropping, but they are at an elevated rate, according to DHHS. Turning to some news from campus now, UNC has a history of seeing its students do really well at the Hearst Journalism Awards, essentially the Pulitzer Prize Award for college journalists. And they're given out each year. This year, two of the winners in the radio category are names our listeners might recognize. Congratulations to Sierra Pfeiffer and Henry Taylor, both reporters for the UNC Journalism School's Carolina Connection show. They placed first and second, respectively, in the initial entries to the Hearst Awards out of 70 national entries in the radio category. That means that Pfeiffer and Taylor will qualify for the national championships organized by the program. That will take place in June in San Francisco, where they will be joined by dozens of other college journalists competing over one more round of stories for some scholarship and prize money. Here is one of Sierra's two winning entries. This one focused on North Carolina's first safe parking site that opened up in Greensboro uh, for those who are unsheltered. It's intended to be a place for anybody who needs to stay in their cars for free overnight and during the day to do so without being hassled or asked to move. Again, let's listen back to Sierra Pfeiffer's piece from January on that topic. For this single mother and her three school-aged children, home is a 2007 Dodge minivan. I just homeless in the car. 
Just sleep it in the car with the kids. That's Waya. She goes by her ancestral Cherokee name. Waya and her kids have been sleeping in the van for about a month after they fled an abusive family situation in Fayetteville. Like many homeless people, they struggled to find a safe place to park where they wouldn't get harassed or shoot away. I was parking at like rest stops and I had this app where it showed me where I could park that was for free where they didn't really mind it like at Cracker Barrel or other places like that. It was kind of dangerous because nobody really know. Nobody really know, but it was dangerous. So Wyatt and her kids made their way here to what Greensboro is calling a safe parking site. It's a free downtown lot for people living in their cars. But unlike a rest stop, it has a security guard. And it's directly behind the interactive resource center where anyone can shower, do laundry, and even meet with a caseworker. I feel like it's more safe here. They have cameras here, and I can sit here all day if I need to, if I don't have anywhere to go. Waya's minivan was among about half a dozen cars parked here on a Thursday afternoon, with some people using tarps and clothing to cover their windows and block out the cold weather. This lot is the first of its kind in North Carolina, and only the second on the East Coast after Atlanta. But nationwide, there are now more than 50, mostly in California and Washington, according to the National Vehicle Residency Collective. The collective advocates for people living in their cars, and one of its founders is Graham Pruss. There's growing awareness, not only that this population exists, that their numbers appear to be increasing, but also that uh, there's really not a lot of uh, spaces for people who are living in vehicles in the existing systems. That's why the city of Greensboro spent about $180,000 last year to pilot the safe parking lot. Christina Singleton, who runs the Interactive Resource Center, said homelessness increased during the pandemic, and it hasn't gone down. Folks are living in their cars. They don't have somewhere safe to go. They're getting woken up in the middle of the night and asked by police or security to move along. So for safe parking, we have a spot that's well lit with security, a place to use the bathroom and a shower, and build that community so that folks can be together in one spot. The city opened up the lot about a year ago, and Singleton says it's had some successes. Larry Logan parked here for a month and said having a free place to live helped him save up for an apartment. I was here and I stayed in my car and I slept and then I was able to save money and go get my own place. And so um, I'm back today to get my mail. Still, parking lots like this have not escaped criticism. Some Greensboro City Council members have opposed funding for what they call Band-Aid solutions for homelessness rather than finding more permanent fixes. And Waya, the mother living in her Dodge minivan, says while the parking lot is helpful, she needs more. It's hard on me to make it work for these kids when I have no resources, no help. So I just wish there was more help for mothers and kids. Singleton said the resource center is working on what she called permanent supportive housing. But in the meantime, she says this parking lot is a lifeline for vulnerable people who don't have any other options. In Greensboro, I'm Sierra Pfeiffer. Once again, congratulations to Sierra and Henry Taylor, two Hearst Award-winning journalists, student journalists, uh, in the Carolina Connection program. You can find their other award-winning stories from this year's 2023-24 awards by heading to carolinaconnection.com.
org. Now, the topic of homelessness also came up at the Chapel Hill Town Council's work session last Wednesday, in which the elected officials continued their discussion around updating the Land Use Management Ordinance, or LUMO. Last week, the group specifically shared their feelings on the regulation of particular land uses, among them shelters for people experiencing homelessness. Chapel Hill Town Council member Paris Miller-Fushi said she thinks it's important to look at modern strategies for helping the unhoused population to then best inform the town philosophy regarding land use in that way. She went on to say that includes recognizing non-congregate options and alternatives beyond designated and stereotypical shelters for people. Here are some of those comments from Paris Miller-Fushi at the work session. So when thinking about policy around this land use, I think shelters could be uh, anywhere to allow for creative uses for more non-congregate um, sheltering options, allowing for even possible conversions of hotels or buildings or other facilities when thinking about um, allowing for shelters. I also think it's important to think about like where proximity to transit, um, access to jobs, opportunities, and other amenities that meet people's needs. So my interest would be a land use policy for shelters that affords creativity as opportunities arise, um, like the conversion of a single-family home um, to house you know, women who are escaping domestic abuse, or even the conversion of a school or something like that. Um, keeping in mind that non-congregate shelters, which provide, they provide alternatives to more conventional congregate um, shelters. So that, that's my two cents. Once again, that is Chapel Hill Town Council member Paris Miller-Fushi speaking there, and you can read a transcript of other highlights from that town council discussion on land use topics by heading to our news coverage of last week's work session on chapelborough.com. The council is off this week. They'll be meeting again the first week in March. No other local government meetings happening tonight. It is a relatively quiet Wednesday on that front, but two things to flag for those who follow the UNC system. The monthly Board of Governors meetings began in Raleigh today. They will run through tomorrow. Uh, today was largely committee meetings for the Board of Governors. Meanwhile, the UNC Board of Trustees here in Chapel Hill just announced they're holding a special meeting on Friday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to discuss something posed by the University Affairs Committee. That could be a hiring of some sort, could be another announcement. We're going to be keeping an eye on that to see what happens as that meeting develops on Friday. Finally, an update from Mediterranean Deli. The beloved restaurant shared some news today, not about its Chapel Hill location, but instead a new location over in Elon, North Carolina. The business had had a spot there at one point, but it has since moved. And Medelli said that they are going to be opening up that new spot in Elon on Saturday at 11 in the morning. Of course, I imagine a lot of Chapel Hill folks were hoping to get that news for the Chapel Hill location, which was damaged in a fire last summer. Medelli did add in their post today that they are continuing to work on a rebuild of that West Franklin Street location. And time now for a look at sports. We had action on the diamond this afternoon. Both the UNC baseball team and softball teams have finals. Let's start with the diamond heels. They beat Longwood 12-3 in that game, led by Alberto Asuna, who had two home runs and four RBIs leading the diamond heels. This game was really defined by two big, uh, two big stretches for the heels. One was in the fifth inning where they got three runs scored off of bases loaded, no outs, and then they broke it way open with four 
four runs in the seventh inning. Longwood just could never keep up with that. So a win for UNC there. They also won last night against VCU as well, 8-2, to two, the start of a homestand that will continue into this weekend. It was a lot of offense there, but not as much as the UNC softball team had last night. They truly had some eye-popping numbers against NC Central, winning 21-1. to one. Yes, that's right, in a softball game. It was actually shortened because of the mercy rule and highlighted for the heels with a four home run inning and a new program single game record for RBIs. First baseman Lexi Godwin for the Tar Heels had 10 RBIs last night. Incredible game from her. And then today she was responsible for the lone run that the Tar Heels played it, showing that they can win both ways. Carolina softball beats Oakland one to nothing today. Pitcher uh, let me get her name right. Kenna Ray Dark went the distance for the Tar Heels, pitching all seven innings and six strikeouts as well. Really exciting start to the season for softball. They are 13-2 and two so far. Now, Monday was an exciting night for all of the fans gathered in the Dean Smith Center to watch UNC men's basketball take on Miami, but it was particularly special for a group of children who got to tag along with the team. Some Chapel Hill kids with the Hargraves Community Center in the Northside neighborhood got to do pregame activities with the players like running down the team tunnel standing on the court for the national anthem and then they got to sit behind the scorers table for the whole exciting game you can see some really fun photos of the group and learn more about head coach hubert davis's connection to the hargrave center and how that invitation came about by heading to our piece on chapelborough.com those who were in the building and those who watched the game are still buzzing in Chapel Hill over R.J. Davis's record-breaking performance in that one. He had 42 points on Monday night, a new high for a game played in the Dean Dome. Davis now is, I mean, he wasn't, he was already before, but now he's kind of cemented his spot as the odds-on favorite for ACC Player of the Year, likely an All-American as well. If he gets either of those awards, it means his jersey would be honored in the Smith Center rafters. So, in short, he's having one special senior season. Here's what Davis had to say on Monday night about how he's played so far and how everything has gone. And you'll hear a brief interjection here from teammate Paxson Wojcik as well. I mean, I envisioned the way I've been, like, the way I wanted to have, the way the year I wanted to have and who I've been playing, but I didn't envision, like, you know, the crowd chanting my name and whatnot, but, I mean, I think that just all comes with, you know, just staying in the gym, staying down, waiting your turn, and staying confident. Um, I definitely have, like, <laughs> I definitely have a, um, an amazing career here from, you know, freshman year up until now, so just to see my progression throughout the years and for me to have, like, a great year in my senior year and, kind of just speaking that to existence. I mean, it's happening for me, so I'm happy. Once again, that is R.J. Davis speaking there. The senior guard and the rest of the Tar Heels back in action on Saturday in Chapel Hill as they host NC State. The women's basketball team, meanwhile, will hit the court tomorrow night. They're on the way to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College, and two of the star Tar Heels earned national recognition yesterday. Congratulations to seniors Deja Kelly and Alyssa Utsby, who were named to the Ann Myers Drysdale Award and All-America Watch List, just two of 40 players across the country selected for that watch list.